The Milan Records Sony Soundtracks release from the Netflix film All the Bright Places features music by composer and singer-songwriter Keegan DeWitt. Keegan DeWitt is here with us to discuss the film and its score. Hi, Keegan. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. Based on the best-selling novel by Jennifer Niven and starring Elle Fanning and Justice Smith, All the Bright Places is a romantic drama which tells the story of Violet Markey and Theodore Finch, who meet and change each other's lives. <laughs> Obviously not probably the key demographic for the book, or I just missed it. So it was kind of nice for me. It's this book with this really fervent following. I think it really impacted a lot of people's lives when they read it. But for me, I was kind of just coming at it totally blind to it, which was nice. So, so much of my approach musically often is impacted by casting. I don't know why, but it's just something about it. And Elle's work in the film and just her work in general and her as a presence. And then especially when teamed up with Justice is just so interesting and compelling. More than anything, Brett and I, the director, Brett Haley, we've worked together a ton. So we're always kind of a couple steps down the road pretty early on. And I had sent him a couple raw piano demos. And one of those things that was just a very simple thing, it's kind of the beginning piano looping phrase that you hear at the top of the score itself. I sent to him and he was like, this is interesting. Let's expand on this. Little did he know that what he was going to get back from me was going to be an 11 minute long three part fully orchestrated suite <laughs> but that's where we ended up and somehow we teamed it to picture it. Uh, there was magic I don't think I'm the only musician or composer to exploit the voice memos app on the iPhone. <laughs> so I, I try to make a habit of at the beginning or end of the day, just sitting down and playing piano and grabbing these voice memos. Because a lot of times, you know, so much of what I'm doing is so intentional at the computer or in the studio. I try and get a little bit of improv involved throughout the day. That way I can just have this pocket of ideas. Brett works so much, you know, <laughs> like about 10 times more than any of my other filmmakers. He's just got this sort of furious pace to how he does stuff, which is great. But we had just finished Hearts Beat Loud and he was already talking about this and already needing music. So I kind of just fired off a couple of the improv ideas and he liked it. And his response was, I think on this one, we should really try some strings, which was a huge sigh of relief for me because I've sort of got this whole world of orchestral music that I just have not had the opportunity to, to bring to life and, and show to people. So for me, that's been an ongoing frustration because <laughs> I've always wanted to have a project where I could really open up and be able to show that because that's really the kind of music that I love making and love composing for and thinking of an orchestra, obviously, you know? So when he said that, I think <laughs> I think in his mind, maybe he thought like a little quartet or something. And, and then what he got back from me was essentially like a chamber orchestra arrangement that would need, you know, 26 players to be executed. And so when I sent it off to him, I definitely was like, whoo, I hope he likes this. <laughs> you know, so thankfully he did. And also when you end up with this big piece of music, I think that it changes the film a lot when you lay it against picture. And, you know, not a lot of filmmakers are brave enough to go, whoa, this totally is transforming the film to put music that with that much instrumentation and that full chamber orchestra against picture adds a lot credit to him for seeing that and going this is exciting let's keep moving <laughs> <laughs> 
Movies based on young adult novels need to have the right look and feel, but also the right sound. When projects work, they have a lot of great alchemy and things fall into place and you sort of have all these different happy accidents that work. Other times you're trying to like shove clowns in a car and nothing will work. And this was one of those things where every little thing just started to fall into place. Even just the melody itself has a childlike wonder to it that can then develop into real romance and then more gravity just depending on how we stage it and how we're using it which was just total luck i think in terms of coming up with that i had heard an arrangement at some point it's one of those things where you hear it and it sticks in your brain this fluttering woodwind effect and i just was so fascinated by this i had taken that to the orchestrator and arranger that i work with dabney morris and been like this is sort of an interesting idea that thing that we use both on the title cards and then in a couple other moments is this great sort of you know mystery that like dances around and i'm so glad that we happened into it it works in such great service to that idea of when these people are standing across from each other there's just something vibrating in the air a lot of that credit i think goes to my collaboration with the arranger dabney because he sort of sent me an initial pass that was very close and then i essentially took a bunch of the woodwind flutters and was like this needs to be a motif even though it's just a little riff it is as important as a key theme melodically and so we sort of brought that back and it was interesting to be able to use all these different little pieces in ways I think my excitement to tackle the project helped me jump past all the big pitfalls that would be there. But one of the biggest ones, I think, is it being too dreadfully serious from Jump Street. And so I'm so glad that we lucked into a couple key foundational pieces that really helped make sure that where it originated from was a place of wonder and romance and desire to experience the world in a fuller way so that when we really have to start to turn the screws in terms of the dramatic stakes, it feels like it's coming from the right place. The score seems to journey between states of sadness and happiness. I totally section off my brain from the source music. It's just a trap, you know, because I all have an opinion. And then on top of that, there's no way for me not to apply it to the score in some ways. But when I watched the first cut of the film, when I sent off the music and they laid it in, and these were just our demos at the time, it was a really touching experience for me personally because things were working. I've scored plenty of films where I have to save the movie with music by giving it tempo and feeling that just didn't get there somehow or there's other projects that I've done where my work is just not cutting it uh, for whatever reason anything I lay on there just feels like a pig with lipstick on it this was one of those things where the performances and the score together I felt like an audience member in a nice way I just remember there's a long sequence where he first kind of goes and tosses stones at her window and she comes out and they talk and then they go on this long walk together and from a purely egotistical place I was like this is great this is the best presentation of my music in terms of it working with image that I could have asked for and I think credit to that goes to Elle and, and Justice and, and Brett and even Liz Hanna's script that threads these gaps so gracefully. This compelling drama provides a human take on the experience of mental illness, relationships, and the impact of young love.
for me as an artist, I've, I've always been drawn to the idea of the linkage of two people and, and the idea of the journey to discover that and the souring of that and and the transition from youth into adulthood and what gets chiseled away from you in that process, you know? So for me, I think innately I was equipped to approach the material just because out of my interest in that. But I think also when we sat down to talk about music that we are excited by, especially me and the arranger, we were talking about classical music and modern classical music and stuff instead of when people find a composer by going through traditional outlets versus repeat collaborations with somebody like Brett. Like with Brett, we can just, I can dig in and he's sort of like, sounds interesting. What do you think? By doing that, I think that we created a musical language that is something that is not only effective for them in the moment, but I could imagine that the theme, if you were to sit and listen to the suite, it would also be how Elle as a 45-year-old woman would remember it too, because it's got like the romance and the loss and all that stuff, rather than if it was the drums and, and bass and stuff, she might be like, have that moment you have when you look at a picture of yourself when you were 17 and you're like, why was I wearing that? You recorded the score in one of the most historic rooms, Capitol Studio B, with some of the world's greatest musicians. Tell us a bit about that. I remember we, me and the arranger, Dabney, arrived and, you know, and you're parking at the base of the iconic Capitol building. And we had planned to be there half an hour early, I think. And we were like walking in kind of prepared to be the first people in there and because everybody is such pros we walked in and it was literally like everybody was in their seats and they had outplayed us they were there at least 30 minutes before we were there 30 minutes early you know and i remember that catherine handed dabney the baton and was like do you want to go in and go ahead and get everybody ready and he sort of just glanced at me (laughs) and gave me this look of like okay we're going right to it you know Those are always scary moments, especially, you know, just sitting down at the board and you're looking at this board that probably costs $300,000 and you're surrounded by compressors and preamps that are totaling in the millions and just in the same for all the microphones that are out there. And they're all things that were built 75 years ago and can't be replaced. Like anything else, take a deep breath and jump in. As it comes together, I mean, especially for this piece, there's a lot of stuff in the back half. Things are dancing around each other and have to work in terms of intonation and also rhythm stuff has to be in lockstep. And we were working so fast, so, 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 so fast, because not only were we getting the score itself, we were getting each specific cue, but then we were getting the entire suite, which is like 11 minutes long without stopping. As each hour ticks by, your blood pressure goes up a little bit. <laughs> But in the end, we were able to accomplish it just by a hair. You've worked with Brett Haley three times before. Brett, as I said, is a maniac who never stops working. So we're already, we've finished one film and are in pre-production on another film. Keegan DeWitt, congratulations on your great score for All the Bright Places. And thank you for coming on the podcast to discuss it. Of course. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm.